of a bitch right open. I guess I'll do that too. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> to, to the pet machine. <laughs> to, to the docky peps. The sweet, the sweet nectar of the gods. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Vundle Bourgeoisie. I am fueled with nothing but sugar and depression. I am David from the Bundle Bourgeoisie. And I am mostly filled with I was going to say yesterday's semen, but I don't know if that's the energy <laughs> we should bring. <laughs> and we're the bundle and bourgeoisie! <laughs> and I'm Johnny Bartlett. <laughs> uh, this is this is probably the first official episode people will hear since we've been back, but we do have last month's recorded, almost ready to release. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's going to be like a super secret, like... In yeah, that's episode? gonna be that's gonna be the, the the subscribe to the Patreon and you'll get access. Oh, to it's the Patreon episode, huh? Are we really gonna paywall are we really gonna put no. it behind a paywall? <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know that many people would shell out for that. Just being real. <laughs> I, oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> it'll uh, it'll drop somewhere in the midterm of this month, just as like a a teaser for for yeah, a little something, little, little midterm election for you to boggle yeah. your ears on. Uh, but this this week we have a couple of games that we're gonna tell you about. We're gonna tickle your little your your drums about. Uh, do, do, I guess we're just gonna jump into it. Yeah, it's your games first, so you you go. <laughs> Fine, Turbo Golf Racing, a Curse of the Dead Gods, Honey, I Joined a Cult, Eternal Threads, Remnant from the Ashes, Grime, Ghostwire Tokyo, and Meeple Station. Those are our games for today, so I guess let's just, if you, if you feel like up to it, if you feel like maybe you, you might want to listen for a couple more minutes, I'm going to do some Turbo Golf Racing talk. So folks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this game right here, Turbo Golf Racing, is by uh, Huge Calf Studios. Uh, they've only other done one other game. I've never played it before, but it has an interesting name. It's When Ski Lifts Go Wrong. It looks like a Trials-esque physics-based ski simulator with like some building elements. It's very interesting, but... Uh, the publisher here, my, gosh, that Dr. Pepper is already fucking haunting me. I'm already <laughs> getting burps from it. I feel like it's already a bad let's decision, go. but let's go. Let's go. That's the energy today. Uh, Secret Mode uh, is the publisher. They've done a little to the left. Wobble Dogs, Snake Pass, Derester, and more. A couple interesting little indie titles there. Uh, the price for this game is $17.99, though it is on sale right now in Steam Summer Sale for $4.49. Uh, if you're listening to this later, you know the deal. It probably... It's not that price, but maybe it will be soon. <laughs> it's a, it's a good benchmark for if you if you want the game but don't want to spend that much money, you might know what to win to wait for another uh, sale. True that. There's actually websites that allow you to check that too to see like what prices uh, things have been lowered on. But anyway, yeah. Uh, gameplay for this is very early access, so things are liable to change, but it is pretty well featured already. Uh, just it, to put you in the right mind space, imagine you just transplant. RC car mechanics from Rocket League. Just put that into a game about getting a ball into a hole. That's it. 
it's the whole game just rocket league still i mean basically but instead of (laughs) two teams competing to get a ball into a goal it's just you competing to get a ball into a hole really quickly against and and, and racing against other people you're trying to do it faster than other people if you're doing the multiplayer mode but if you're in the single player Mm. mode it's literally just you and the timer (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh, right now there are three available modes with one more coming soon uh there's the casual online mode which is just like a queue and play with strangers and like a random set of three levels best of three wins uh players all phase through each other and they don't really interact with each other beyond a couple of like abilities like there's this rocket ability you can do to shoot at other people and it makes them like slow down a little bit it's very much like you're kind of on your own lane though when you're uh competing i noticed uh, it's ranked online is basically the same as casual just that the players are slightly better you know and and you play to improve your ranking and you get like more higher ranked people to play against uh there's also like like i mentioned the the time trial solo mode it's the only single player content that just allows you to practice each stage and their later levels are gated behind uh star rankings so you have to get like a certain number of stars in the previous uh tracks in order to unlock some of the later stages uh and then the last mode that they're working on right now is like a custom online match mode I imagine they're just working on, like, the infrastructure for that and everything. So you get cores in this game. They're either active or passive abilities. You can have either one active and one passive or two passive abilities equipped. Uh, Some of the examples are stuff like uh, sticky and makes your ball, like, sticky for a second. So you can attach it to your car and then uh, drive it around. Uh, There's the shock ability, which, like, pushes the ball away from your car. Or the magnet ability, which pulls the ball toward you, which all is helpful for trying to get the ball to the hole a little bit quicker. It's not like golf in that you have like multiple swings. It's just you driving to the end, pushing the ball as quickly as you can. Yeah. Uh, and there are some things there to help you out. Like uh, one of the ways that this game differs from Rocket League is that uh, the car has like an actual gliding ability. It's the same button as like the handbrake. Uh, so it actually is very intuitive where uh, if you're in the air and you kind of need to brake a little bit quicker uh, and you press the handbrake button... Uh, the wings will pop out, and then you like glide around. Oh, that's nice! And like do a lot more like specific air maneuvers. Yeah, it's really helpful for like precise movements and trying to like hit the the ball in like the right spot. Uh, and like some of these larger multiplayer maps. But then there's also like more passive stuff, like big ball, which just makes your ball bigger, or like off roader, which makes your car and ball unaffected by terrain. And you just combine those abilities based on like you know your kind of personal preference. Though I I found that the sticky was by far the most useful for me. Because uh, mm-hmm. what I would do is I would just push the ball all the way towards the end, and because the last part is the hardest, I just grab it real quick and then toss it in. Because the sticky gets like unsticky the second you get to the hole, so you just sticky it, toss it in, you're good to go. Yeah, there is a challenge system that kind of gates new uh, progress and items and such. Uh, it's a little slow to unlock things sometimes, uh, but you can pin tasks like. Uh, you know, perform a certain number of, like, aerial flips or spend a certain amount of time boosting. uh, Mm -hmm. And those, like, will help you to complete missions. That way you unlock more abilities. Usually they are related. So, uh, like, one thing was uh, if you boost a whole bunch, then you unlock an ability uh, that makes it so that your boost is really quick, uh, but it also depletes really quickly. Uh, You know, little little things like that that just change up your play style. Uh, there's also daily missions to encourage you to log in daily to play in like really short sessions over long periods of time and a free battle pass that levels up as you play the game. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah, they're already on season three, even though the game is still in early access. So it seems like they're promising more free content in the future, but it kind of leads into my nitpick that 
even though it is nice that it is a free battle pass it just isn't very exciting and it does take a while to unlock stuff and really grind for stuff mm -hmm. and it makes it just feel like if it'll go away eventually it, that it's just this time sink that could be wasted and you could spend that time somewhere else you know what i mean uh that's yeah, why i feel completely like understandable deep rock galactic has a free battle pass that never goes away and just keeps adding more layers to the battle pass mm -hmm. uh, which i really like i feel like that's a much better way to go about it because it feels much less like uh fomo-y you know a lot more like actually progressing because yeah. you want to progress more um and in that sense the game is just a little bit dull i don't really feel like there's too much replay value here besides just getting better times in the in the trial mode or competing against others in the online mode and doing the daily challenges but that's very lizard brain satisfaction y like i don't really feel like that's very mm -hmm. like i'm not playing it because i really enjoy the core gameplay like i would for rocket league uh i'm playing it more so because it's like oh, i gotta do my dailies and this and that and i don't know i just didn't feel like as compelled by it because uh, like in multiplayer I kept thinking about how in, in Rocket League, you know, you're always facing off against other people. You can smack into them. You can explode. Yeah. Like, it is a very multiplayer game. But this game feels almost like single player, even when you're in multiplayer. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that it's just, like, racing each other's time and not everyone's on the same track, like, crashing into each other and pushing each other off. And... I mean, like, everybody is on the same track, but they just don't push each other. They're just little ghosts that drive around, and because of that, yeah. like, everybody could just be swapped for AI, and I would never know. It would just never really make exactly. a difference, especially in, like, the casual mode. And honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if that was the case, just to make you be able to get into matches quicker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just filling out half the, the roster as AI you wouldn't even notice. The only people that time that I really noticed, like when there's real people that were like noticeably good, was in competitive. But I mean, even then, the the ability to interact with each other is very limited to just like maybe a rocket or two, and that's it. And otherwise, you Which just very see unfortunate. them driving around. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. It doesn't feel very fun. And the yeah, other it would have been nice if it was like Mario Kart, but with like the objective of getting it in the hole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it is, but. I, I don't know. It just it gets old quickly is my issue, I think. Mm -hmm. And because there's no cross-play or cross-save like there is in Rocket League, I made a bunch of progress on the Xbox before I even got this one for this month. Uh, and that progress did not carry over to Steam, which is really unfortunate. Oof. Uh, and because a lot of this game is sort of gated behind, like, you playing it, like, you need to play it in order to get all the cool stuff to look cool and then, like, have more options for how to play it. It just didn't make me want to keep playing it over again to do all the things that I already did on the other version. Uh, so for me, probably leaning more on a labor, but it's kind of neither, really. I mean, it was a passable game. I feel like I'm kind of ragging on it a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's not the most exciting. Uh, it doesn't really command my attention the way that Rocket League does with that sort of very fun competitive aspect. Uh, but, I mean, I've also played way worse games, and the core gameplay is very good. Rocket League itself is a very core solid control system and it's fun to drive around and hit the ball and toss it in the thing but after you win a couple of multiplayer matches i just feel like like i've done it like i've seen it all i don't really feel like i want to play anymore you know we didn't do a lot of setting the uh the tone of this episode and i think that's kind of going to be a through line that we see with a lot of these not, not at least on my end and uh just kind of like it, it's okay but not not something super exciting that I wanted to like come back to. Yeah, that is kind of the case with a lot of these games. It's not like the kind of game that like, you know, you get really, really excited to like get home and start playing right away. Like it's just kind of like, mm, that passes the time. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, it's like that was. I mean, that was fun for the 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 time I had to play it. So maybe we need to create like a like a middle between the saver and labor, like a middling category. We'll, we'll discuss <laughs> maybe. that. We'll, we'll we'll discuss it. Yeah. But uh, do you think that middling would also describe this next game on our list? I do. I think it would. Our next game is Curse of the Dead Guys by Pat Dead Guys. <laughs> Not Dead Guys. Dead Gods. <laughs> That sounds like so funnier. That sounds so much more fun it somehow. So much better. It would have been way better if it was Curse of the Dead Guys. Uh, our next game is Curse of the Dead Gods by Pastech Games, who did Masters of Anima in the Space Run series, and published by Focus Entertainment, who's a pretty big publisher. You probably know their games. They've done like they did the new Warhammer Bolt Gun and. Atomic Heart Ooh. and Evil West and Plague Requiem and like all bunch they publish a bunch they're a big publisher so it's 1999 normally right now on Steam sale it's 699 so it's a pretty good deal if you're looking for a top down action roguelite look at that segue <laughs> it's it's a lot like Hades if you've played the sort of like Hades games I use Hades just because it's like a staple of the genre now. <laughs> it's a Hades like, yeah, it's a Hades like. It's a Hades like, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've played Hades, you've played this game. Honestly, it's it's done. It's not doing anything new for the genre. It's very simple, top down, action based, roguelike with prog- you know continuing progression every time you die. It it doesn't do much other than that there's you know you upgrade your like you get new curses and weapon unlocks and stuff as you level up Uh, it's got a kind of cool mechanic with the cursing it's like as you go through the game you can make decisions based on raising up your curse value like you can get a a better buff right now but it's going to cost you like x amount of curse and so you're going to get cursed quicker and as you go through like doors through the dungeons your curse meter fills up until you get a curse at like a certain amount of percentage And that curse then follows you through of like, you'll take 20% more damage when you're in darkness or uh, you'll, you'll lose gold every time you get hit or, or buying things cost twice as much blood now, things like that. And as you go, the curses get progressively worse. You get three tiers of curses until it's basically like the game is punishing you and you'll get one shot kind of thing. It's pretty easy to survive the curses, even the high level ones, but it's, it's an interesting mechanic of like risk versus reward. That's not just like, take all your health away it's making the decision of do i want to give myself another negative for this positive now which was a kind of cool cool little mechanic they threw in but other than that it's pretty cookie cutter it's what you'd expect of this genre it's what every other game in this genre is doing there's not a lot going on storyline wise it's kind of the basic idea of this roguelike stuff of Here's our introduction story, and then as you clear stuff, you might get some more stuff. I cleared one and a half dungeons and didn't get any other cutscenes or more information to the story, though. So there's really not a lot there in this game. You're just a dead, cursed guy that's trying to get out. That's that's it. Not much for themes either, because as I said, the story is a little light in this game. It's it's really solid for what it is. The, like, the curses are a great aspect. The gameplay feels really good and weighty. It's what you want of this kind of game. There's, like, a good response time and everything. The combination of, like, keeping darkness away by lighting torches and, and trying to, like, see the enemies and stuff with the, the environmental lighting that they're playing with is really nice. But it's not... It's not crazy hard. There's not a ton of incentive to keep going back with the lack of like story and everything. It's mm. just you're playing this game for the core gameplay alone and that's it. 
And like compared to the core gameplay of like a lot of other kind of similar games, how do you think you feel like it stacks up to those? It stacks up. It stacks up. It feels good. Yeah, it feels like it, it's not quite as as intense as a game like Hades. This one's a little more slower and methodical, hmm. which is nice if you want a slower pace game, which I, I did enjoy. But the, the gameplay itself feels very similar. It feels good. It's not bad gameplay by any means. I was enjoying the gameplay of this. Uh, there's a lot of different weapons and combinations that you can use that sort of like change how it feels a little bit. But it uh, all in all, I just like I, I put so, it's somewhere between savor and labor for me too. It, it, it felt more of a labor than anything because I just didn't see much reason to play this game over some of the other solid like contenders in this series that are just offering a little more all around. Mm. Like, you know, Hades, uh, I can always go back to Hades because there's always storyline. There's always like character relationships that are developing that even though I've finished the runs a hundred times and know the dungeons in and out, there's still something that I'm doing in that game. That's still making me feel like I'm progressing outside of skill. And this game, it's really like once you figure out the gameplay, once you figure out the loop, once you're learning the fights, there's not a lot to bring me back. Mm, just a little bit too basic of a core gameplay loop, huh? Just not really as satisfying as something else that like keeps you coming back. Well, and maybe it's just that like the randomization in this game isn't as as fleshed out as a game like Binding of Isaac, really, mm. or something that like... Even even the runs themselves felt very similar. It's just I'm using a sword this time instead of a shield. or yeah. So it was very, like, very basic changes to what I was doing that just made it feel like the runs weren't unique enough to keep coming back to them, but also there wasn't enough other things to keep coming back to the game, even if the runs were kind of samey. That's definitely a problem that I've noticed with a lot of indie roguelikes, where it, it just doesn't feel like each run has enough variety to justify the multiple playthroughs. Uh, I heard exactly like, a criticism of uh, Amnesia the Bunker that came out recently where it's a game that like as soon as you beat it uh, they kind of say like hey do you want to try again and it's like well no actually <laughs> like I just beat the game I kind of felt like that was it <laughs> yeah that's I, that's exactly how I felt with this one and I, I think that comes in a lot of regard of like people trying to solve the randomization problem but the randomization problem is sort of the core of a lot of these games and that's what makes them special but just not enough randomization. Not enough randomization for me to like enjoy just every single run over and over again, and not enough outside of the gameplay to make me want to keep playing the same runs over and over again. At least like a good afternoon of gaming though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, like it was still a good experience, and I think it's a great holdover for like Hades 2 if you've beaten Hades and you're just like, I really want to play something that feels like Hades, but I'm, I don't know what. It's a great game for that, uh, and you'll probably get some value out of it if that's kind of, like, what you're looking for, but I was just looking for something with a little more depth, something that, like, something more of a cult classic, you know? Yeah, cult classic, just like our next game, the overwhelmingly positive-reviewed uh, Honey, I Joined a Cult, uh, developed by Soul Survivor Games. Uh, they are also right now working on a tactical RPG just named Project X. Seems like it's still in the early stages. Just thought I'd mention because it's the only other thing that they have worked on. Uh, the publisher here is Team 17. We've seen them a lot on the bundle. Uh, they've done recently games like Dredge and Narita Boy, uh, but they've done lots of others like Escapist and Golf with Friends. They were the Worms developers and many, many more. Uh, the price for this one is uh, $21.99. 
uh, and it's on sale right now for thirteen ninety nine uh, with the Steam Summer Sale. Uh, the gameplay of this is that you just open up a new cult on a plot of land, and you just gotta manage the resources while expanding the cult, uh, growing it into a successful business without attracting enough heat to cause your cult to collapse under the negative attention of the public. So there's really only one level, but you can restart as many times using as many different themes uh, as you want for your leader and your cult. Uh, like with the first run that I did, I started out with the Church of Squirtle, uh, surrounded my, my my little squirt followers. And uh, then I restarted just because I got tired of saying squirt so many times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's like one of 11 different like pre-made cults, and so I used one of those. Uh, I became the Cult of the Worm, their leader, the Worm President. But there are other really fun pre-maids, like uh, the Flurm family and their leader, the Human Corn Cob, or Captain Crimbo and the Christmas Dawn. I do like that it allows you to change what your followers are called and give, like, each. it gives each playthrough a little bit of flavor, but it is very surface level for the most part. It is just a nice, fun, and goofy level of customization. Hell yeah. Uh, the difficulty is also very adjustable, which makes multiple playthroughs a little bit more interesting. Uh, they have, like, sliders on each individual resource in the game, making it easier or harder to collect and manage. Uh, so if there's, like, one thing in the game that just really bugs you, you can just, like, basically turn it off and then have the rest, like, be normal. There's also just, like, different presets, like, relaxed, standard, and challenging. So if you don't want to, like, individually customize each slider to mac micromanage the difficulty, uh, there are, like, nice presets available for you. Uh, there is, like, a tutorial that runs you through the game, like a little intro, uh, and you can disable that for future playthroughs. I would probably recommend it because it's a little hand-holdy. Uh, but definitely recommend it on the first playthrough because there's a lot of systems and little things to manage in this game that can be a little bit hard to wrap your head around, but it is very, very fun when you get into it. Uh, so it's really a game about scheduling and building out your compound uh, where each cult member's work and life schedule is yours completely to customize. So you can choose, like, at what points they sleep and at what points they work and at what points they have free time. Uh, and you have to make sure that everybody is always there for, like, your sermon at the end of the day so that they can get their, like, daily sermon, which helps with, like, their sort of, uh, I forget what the, the, the term in the game was, but essentially, like, their morale, right? So that they don't feel like they're, uh, like, losing faith. And if people, like, start to lose faith or they start to get upset... Uh, you have to sort of, like, help them out either by increasing their, like, living conditions, putting, like, nice decor in, or there's, like, a, a thing you can unlock eventually which allows your uh, leader to, like, go to the person who's having, like, a mental break and, like, to to comfort them to, like, make sure that they're doing okay. <laughs> you have to kind of make adjustments for people and their individual needs. Some people will be, uh, you know, better with working with other people. Some people don't like working with other people, like the the followers, and others are better at working at night. And you kind of have to take that into account when you're figuring out uh, where you're kind of sending people, what jobs you're assigning to people. You're never directly commanding people, but... So you're saying the society functions a little bit better when you actually play to people's strengths? I mean, certainly when you are creating a compound sort of to <laughs> to self-sustain yourself, although it's not really self-sustaining. I'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is your job essentially to make sure that everyone is in like their proper role and to make sure that everybody is having a pleasant time, that everything is decorated and lovely. Uh, as you progress, you have to like do more research, sort of a la uh, civilization. You have to like assign somebody to the research station, and then like have you learn, earn like more tech trees, uh, which allow you to like make new uh, rooms or certain improvements or certain abilities that your character can do. Uh, like one example is this maggot room that you get. 
uh, which you can have your followers <laughs> go and like hang out in like the maggot room and like they just chill in like a pool of maggots and you get like money for like every second that they're in there because <laughs> they're like paying for the experience to be surrounded in maggots uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, you know it's just like that instead of like pottery and animal husbandry you're just unlocking maggot rooms themes that come to mind when i play this game are are very cynical uh i think of the quote from l ron hubbard you don't get rich writing science fiction if you want to get rich you start a religion because this is very much at its heart a tycoon game it is a game about mm -hmm. making money as much money as quickly as possible so you can expand and grow and people are tools they are your tools for making money once their usefulness is expended they they are to be replaced with better and more productive subjects <laughs> like you were constantly unlocking the ability to get like better followers and then like that sort of incentivizes you like oh once you know all of the flaws with the people that are already in your group once you get like the discombobulation room or whatever that allows you to like see all of the individual flaws and traits that make everybody unique uh and then you find out like oh you're paranoid and you uh like are causing problems so i'm gonna send you away forever and then you find out like everybody at the start actually has problems. And so you basically within like a couple of hours of playing the game, I think if I play, kept playing a while longer, I would have replaced basically everyone from the start with brand new people. <laughs> uh-huh. Because they're just, they're just tools to make you money. And people are gullible. Their faith can be used to extract money. from, from that, that's, that's the whole point of the game, basically. This is creating <laughs> this in-group and this out-group. Where the in-group are people fully dedicated to my cause. They believe in me completely. But that also means that you have to supply for them. You have to feed them. Uh, you know, you're limited to how many you can have. But they also help you run the place and they keep everything functioning because you can't do all of that alone. Mm -hmm. Where all the out-group uh, is like the people who you make the money from. They're the followers who have real jobs outside of the compound. And they come here to spend all of their hard-earned cash and that's how you make a living. You have to have your followers so that you're constantly milking them for all of the money that they have. That way you can make more stuff. You can't survive without having both a healthy in-group of members keeping the place functional and also a healthy amount of followers from outside of the cult keeping your place, like, up to date. And when you, like, dismiss people or if you run into issues with, like, PR or if you try to do, like, these missions that are, like, a little bit... Uh, like on 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 the side that can cause heat to generate and the more heat that generates the more protests could happen at your place or uh, issues with people like losing faith or having trouble like recruiting additional followers uh, so it's always a balance of trying to make sure that your cult is uh, seen as being good enough that like nobody is actively protesting you but bad enough that you're <laughs> definitely taking everybody's money and ruining their lives uh, <laughs> How do you ethically take advantage of people? It's not even ethical. It's just straight up unethical. <laughs> like, I think the game is very much making a point about that, especially in the intro, which, I mean, I didn't love the writing, but it definitely sets it up in a good way where it's like, you're basically like shit out of luck. You just got like busted from your last uh, cult job. And you're like, what else can I do in my life besides making a cult and then making money from like bystanders and you're like nah i can't think of anything else i'm gonna make a different cult somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> we love to hear it <laughs> it's just funny how expendable everybody is everybody devotes like their eternal loyalty to your little goober of a leader mine was just like this naked dude just gave good sermons i guess and everybody loves him it's just it's just oh, silly yeah. it's just it's a goofy game <laughs> it's very uh fun when you get into it but 
Uh, I would say that I, I wish that there were more options for this start, just because having to restart and build around the first couple of buildings that you get uh, every single time is just kind of lame. It's they're they're placed in kind of a weird way that makes it so that you either have to destroy them or build around them in like kind of a weird way. And I, I just wish that there were more options that for the start. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and also like I wish that there were more ways to unlock different things in the tech tree and like a different rate like a randomized tech tree mode would be really cool just because having to start from the very beginning and like all of those like uh you have to go through the exact same tech tree every single time and it just feels like i don't know like you're playing the exact same game twice without much difference um yeah and, and it can have moments of really good emergent humor but like i said the writing isn't really too much to write home about in my opinion uh, and it didn't really make me laugh too much outside of the moments that, like, I kind of made happen myself through uh, the gameplay mm -hmm. itself. So uh, learning the systems for me on this one was kind of a pain. It, it, the tutorial was, like, I had to go through it twice because I didn't really get everything on the first run through. But once I did start to understand the core loop and how to manage all the resources, I did start to have a lot of fun with it. And it did really Hell savor yeah. the experience. But uh, I don't know that I'm going to go back right away. Uh, I definitely want to go back eventually to try again and make like a really cool big compound, especially if they keep updating the game at all. Definitely going to be interested in that. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting little game about a uh, bunch of people trying to find the eternal afterlife, I guess. Wow. Uh, eternal afterlife. Uh, it's, that's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of deep, deep information there, you know, like, like, uh, but, you know, I, 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 I wanted to segue into Eternal Threads, but they're just like, the only thing there we have is the word Eternal, because this game has very little to do with the afterlife. Uh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely did thread that in without knowing a single thing about what this other game was besides the word Eternal. So oh, you there's know, your but, segue. <laughs> but speaking of our threads and everything, we do have a lot of threads coming up in the next game, Eternal Threads, a there game entirely about the threads of fate, one might say. Uh, this is a game from Cosmonaut Studios. It's their only game that they've done. And it's published by a little little unknown publisher called Secret Mode. You probably haven't heard of them. I'm just going to skip past them. Uh, <laughs> if, if you need information on them, I'm sure you could listen to like the first 10 minutes of this podcast. Uh, this game costs $19.99. Normally, it's $6.79 right now on sale for the Steam sale. So that gives you an idea. It is. This is a Choices Matter murder mystery. Which, if you've played them sort of telltale Choices Matter games, that's what this is. It's essentially a glorified walking simulator where you get to make some decisions for some characters uh, to change the outcomes of the end of the game. But this game, I think, does a lot of really innovative things for the genre that some of the other games aren't necessarily doing that I found a lot more engaging and interesting than some of the other like Telltale or Quantic Dreams games. It's... The the core premise of this game is that, and this gets into the story a little bit too, uh, you're basically a time cop uh, that <laughs> is trying to fix the ruptured timeline, right? So some people invented time travel, and as a result, it screwed up the timeline. So you're using your time device to go to this building where six people died in a fire. And in the real timeline, none of them were supposed to die. They were all supposed to survive. So you're playing through roughly the week leading up to this event. You're going through the memories and interactions of all these people living in this house together to sort of piece together what happened and make some different decisions for the characters so that they don't all die in this fire. 
the game, the way they present this is you open up your little time device and you have this long linear line of a bunch of different events. Uh, some of them are locked off and some of them are accessible. And at the very end, you have your list of like, these are the six core events of this person dying, this person dying, of all six people dying. And so your goal is basically to flip all of those states from death to live at the end. So you get to go through all of these different memories and all these different events and play through them. You can pick whichever one you want from the week of the week leading up to it uh, that you have access to and just kind of like watch it. And some of them will give you decisions to make differently for the characters. And others are just kind of insight on what's going on in this house and these characters. So it's very, there's a very visual element to this like, choices matter thing of it it's i i can watch a memory make a different decision and now i literally see how the timeline changes of all these things that i had access to are now grayed out but these like seven things that i didn't have access to have flipped and i can use those now this is really cool it's very cool it's a really cool presentation of the idea and the choices matter and it's like it's interesting because it sort of like flips the idea of of these games in that you're making these decisions unknowingly and the ending is going to change and we all know with these games it, it there's there's not 80 different endings to these games there's usually one or two that you get after all these decisions that you make so like the choices don't really matter too much and this game kind of inverts that trope of instead of trying to make decisions to just get a random outcome ending you're making decisions to force the ending to be the way to the success state so it's really cool in that sort of like you actually get to play through the decisions you get to see how they're changing you get to see what's happening as a result and you know the objective you're trying to work to which is to get everyone out alive basically this is interesting. It sort of reminds me of this DS game that just got a re-release recently on Switch called Ghost Trick, where you're playing okay. as like a ghost and sort of manipulating time through like the last couple minutes of people's lives to sort of find out a little... But you're like a detective, really, while you're solving puzzles, and it's it sounds sort of like that. And a little bit of like Return yeah. of the Obra Dinn a little bit, too, where you're like exploring this sort of first-person place and kind of going through different time points and like trying to put together like the, the full story of what happened here and like how to like turn that into something that you can change exactly yes it's very much like that and and it's very good in that regard ultimately the gameplay is a little lacking because i mean it's not lacking in any sense that all these games of this style i personally feel are lacking because it's mostly just walking simulators where you click a button to change a decision every once in a while uh, in this game, you're in you're in a confined environment, so it's not like you know Detroit, where you're at least walking around a city making decisions in different environments. This one's like, yeah. cool, go up to the bedroom and watch a video there and make a decision, and now go to the basement and watch a video there. Now go back up to the living room and watch a video there, and now go back down to the basement. So like, it, it's it's in the same sort of stagnant environment, which gets a little dull, and you're still just in that same normal gameplay loop. I. There was some little hints of very clever game design that I wanted more of, of like, you're walking around in in the future, so to speak, right? Replaying all these, like, events Mm -hmm. in the past. And there were some moments of like, oh, I found this bill that this person had to pay. And the date on the bill is listed as like three days before the event. So I'm going to pop up my memories and jump to that date. And oh, shit, look, there's a memory from that time. So this, this sort of like... 
there's this little interaction of like the environment you're looking at and walking around and the future is sort of like guiding you a little bit to like major events in the past that you could jump mm -hmm. through. But there wasn't a lot of that. There was only like two or three real key moments of like, oh shit, this is a meaningful memo and there's a memory tied to this memo. I, I really wanted to see a lot more of like, oh shit, I walked in this room and I found some like date etched on a calendar and now I can go see what happened on that date kind of thing. But there just wasn't enough of that. I'm looking at gameplay and I'm just like kind of mad that I didn't pick this one. This one looks like <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> I, I, I was very surprised you didn't pick this one. <laughs> Uh, it, uh, it, it, and like, I really wanted to see more of like, of the world that you're in the real time being more significant. I wanted there to be like, sort of like puzzly interactive things there that you had to like figure out and would help make decisions in the past and stuff. But by and large, it wasn't that at all. It was mostly just like the house you're walking around in is just a house you walk around in. There wasn't a lot to the, the present time. It was mostly just played throughout in the past. Mm, I see. So it's it's really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. The themes are phenomenal. There's some really great stuff that they're talking about in here. Like, there's not really an overarching theme in the game other than just, like, don't fuck with time. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's playing through the lives of six different people who all had vastly different lives and sort of interactions and day-to-day -day experiences leading up to this event. So you're getting a lot of, like, two of these characters that are in a relationship, and one of them is pregnant, and so, like, she's struggling with ha telling her partner that she's pregnant, and, like, do I tell him? Do I not? What do I do? The dude that she's dating is, like, just got a job offer to go work as doc like on a Doctors Without Border thing, so, like, he's hiding that information from her, and so, like, as you go through, you're finding out, like, all these little bits of their lives and all these, like, real-world themes and things that, like, we deal in with in day-to-day that like kind of build up and add there's a lot about like don't fucking lie to people half the deaths are just prevented by people being honest with each other which is so good it's just like as soon as you tell the dude you're pregnant it's like cool we can fuck like rabbits for the next two weeks and now you two are fucking instead of sleeping so you don't die it's great that's <laughs> <laughs> so goofy it's so good there's so many little things of just like if you were honest with this person you all wouldn't have died in the first place so like just be honest and communicate with each other people <laughs> uh, it's really cool and there's a lot of like talks about like you know alcoholism and overindulgence and escapism while dealing with trauma and stuff like half of the characters are just completely shit-faced and passed out during the day of the fire, and that's why they died. So it's, like, going through their lives of, like, looking at their bad decisions and the things that, like, were causing them grief and making them, like, drink to excess this night, and, like, how do I stop those issues? How do I, like, make this dude stop dating his crazy ex? Or, like, how do I, how do I make this person resolve their family trauma so that they're not, you know, staying up all night drinking instead, you know? It, it, there's a lot of really cool and interesting talks about like those kinds of things in the game, which which all gets kind of blended together really well because all these six people are living together, so their lives affect each other too. Mm. So yeah, that's interesting. Sort of like a small like taking this house and then just like kind of examining it on like a timeline and then just like breaking it down and then having all these different paths. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very it's very nice for that. Uh, it's, it's, I don't have a lot of nitpicks, honestly. Like, the game was good, other than just, like, 
it's it's a little boring. I wish there was some more like puzzly mm. stuff and real real time inter- interaction instead of just dealing with the past stuff. It's a lot of walking back and forth. If you're gonna play this game, you get really good at looking for where the events happen because it tells you it's like this is in the living room, so you'll have to go there. So just start like hit living room, stay in living room, page through memories of the living room, so you don't have to leave and come back and leave and come back and leave and come back. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, some like kind of uh what's the word quality of life stuff like that would be really nice yeah it's also like oh you can filter it out so it's like if you want to focus on one character you can be like i'm focusing on tom and it'll only show you the memories that affect tom at that point which is great so there's like there's already some kind of nice quality of life stuff but use it use the information giving you or you're just going to be walking back and forth a lot and it's going to get real boring real quick uh especially because the animations in this game holy shit (laughs) (laughs) the animations tell me Every every time you watch a memory for the first time, your dude pulls out his little time device and types in a little, like, note for it. So it's like, cool, I just watched this memory about this person throwing up. And it's like, pulls out my little time. M-O-R-N-I-N-G-S-I-C-K-N-E-S-S question mark, enter. And now you're back into the gameplay. It's like, all right, sweet, now I get to play again. And I watch another memory, and it's a two two second memory. And he pulls it out, and it's like, S-L-E-E-P-I-N-G-B-E-A-U-T-Y exclamation mark. Like every time and some of them were cute and cheeky and funny. And it's like, that's, that's kind of fun. But a lot of them were just like, can I skip this animation, please? I just want to watch another memory. I don't want to have to watch you type in a novel every time I watch a memory. It's like, it's like in Zelda. It's like every time it's like one of <laughs> yeah. those like fucking blessings. And it's like, dude, I've seen this. I've seen this it's like I already hundreds know. of times already. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Like, I love it. It's beautiful sound design. Thank you, but I'm good. I'll skip it. Thanks. But I, I don't need this. I don't need an animation for every single thing I do. I bet, like, I, I haven't watched the trailer, but I bet if you watch the trailer, uh, there's probably a moment where he types in the, mem- the, the, the result of the memory, and you can get a good feel for, like, oh, that happens every time I watch a memory. <laughs> it's like the first time you do it, and you realize, like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to do it's that like, every time, huh? Yup. It's rough. It's real rough. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all it was a good game i really wanted it to be a saver i enjoyed the game a lot for what it is but it's not for me these are not my kinds of games i get real bored with them real quick i would absolutely love to play this with someone and like watch them play it so mm. i could check out during all the boring shit and just like enjoy the game and the presentation and the storyline because all of that was fantastic i just i oh god i get so bored playing these games and i <laughs> felt it in this one I eat up these kind of detective style games. I think I might stream this at some point. It's cool. I think I think you'd really enjoy this one. I think it'd be right up your alley. And I would get to enjoy watching it. I would get to see the remnants <laughs> of what I didn't play. <laughs> the remnants of what you would play. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, our next game, Remnants from the Ashes, uh, is, is what we're going to be talking about. It's a very fun game developed by Gunfire Games. Uh, they have made a lot of good games before, actually. I had to look them up, though, because uh, it wasn't on Steam. They made Darksiders 2 and 3. Uh, they made this game called Kronos Before the Ashes and From Other Suns, and they're working on Remnant 2 right now. Uh, seems like they do a little bit of VR there and a little bit of a, you know other game development there. So they this was published by Gearbox Software. Uh, you probably know them from, like, Borderlands, you know. But they've also done Risk of Rain, Torchlight, We Happy Few, and many more. Or at least they published those. Uh, the price for this one is $39.99, though it is on sale for $13.99 right now. Uh, it's Dark Souls, but you get a gun. Whoa! Crazy! I know, right? It's, 
like i mean yeah that's basically it i mean i was a little bit worried when i first heard that because i thought like i don't know dark souls is so slow and methodical that like how is that really <laughs> how work? do you give it a gun yeah but how, how i think it works really well is that it's a very swarm heavy game with very aggressive ai um and the, and the bosses especially are very aggressive they get up on your face uh and so what you have to do is you have to shoot them as they approach or most of the time when they get close to you you just have to hit them and smack them or dodge them mm -hmm. uh, when you're overwhelmed uh so you get these two guns that you can swap between and one melee weapon uh and the items are assigned on a hot bar like one through four on pc with q is like your dedicated estus and I'll just say that I played PC controls only, and it works extremely well with PC controls. It feels almost tailor-made for it. Uh, learning to dodge at the right time is very important for bosses. Uh, in a in soul like I know, right? But but in general, most of the enemies like were not too hard. And exploration uh, only really felt tedious just because of some occasional backtracking through some kind of linear levels just to find like alternate paths and extra goodies. But... I mean, it was actually kind of relaxing, if I'm going to be real. Like, it's just not, like, at least until you get to the bosses, there's not a whole lot threatening you. And it's just fun. Like, it feels good, the gameplay. And exploration is very uh, nice, because you don't really have to worry about losing all your stuff, like in other Souls games. When you die, you keep everything. Uh, and most enemies aren't really too hard. And it definitely feels played, like, designed, tailor-made for co-op. Uh, Hell yeah. Because unlike souls games where you have to summon in somebody and then you're only there until like they beat the boss uh it's you can just start the game like from from the jump almost uh with other people i think you might have to go through like a little tutorial uh but as yeah soon i as think you're you have to get that, through just like the very first part of the game yeah as soon as you're through with that though you can just like join into anybody at any time uh and that includes like public matches as well uh so if you wanted to just jump into a random match with somebody else uh, and I say match, you're really just joining somebody else for their campaign playthrough for a while. Uh, then you can just do that. And I turned it on for a really difficult boss because I was having a really hard time with one of the bosses in this game. He was like this uh, butcher guy in the middle of this swampy area. Uh, and I, I just I kept bashing my head against the wall, died like 10 times. I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll try the <laughs> multiplayer. And a guy joined me pretty quickly, actually. It didn't take very long. And he not only helped me beat the boss, but he taught me a special way to fight the boss where you can sneak past him, where he's like, he's working on like some anvil or something like he's smacking oh, nice. something. He can like, go into his little basement because upstairs he's got all these pots that whenever he smacks, he always breaks the pots in the walls and that frees and en more enemies to come and attack you. But if you just like sneak into his little basement, you go hide in one of his little pots down there. Uh, he will just like, like time will progress forward and then it'll skip to a part where he's just downstairs like sharpening his sword and then you don't have to deal with any of the extra stuff in that fight just like there's a lot of optional little things like that in this game that make the world feel really fleshed out and fun and like uh there's a lot of like fun little ways that you can kind of make bosses easier if you're able to seek them out i, I really really enjoyed that and the fact that there were these little things that i could just find from random people just teaching me things about the game uh it was so cool i loved that uh, and the Hell fact yeah. that it actually works so seamlessly and so quickly was really nice. He, he stayed with me for a little while after beating the boss, but I get the feeling it took us a while to beat the boss, and he was just kind of done after we beat the boss. He's like, <laughs> all right, I'm good. Anyway, later, bro. <laughs> but if you had, like, a friend to play through this game, I feel like it would be such a good time because the main kind of bulk of the game is not super stressful. You can just kind of talk and chat while playing the game. And then when you get to these bosses, it's like these really intense fights where you got to be like really up close and 
uh, getting into the combat. So then it's like you have to really focus, and it kind of gives these nice like uh, like pacing. I'd say for a multiplayer experience would work really really well. Uh, but alone, it it does work just just fine. I feel like uh, just the balancing is a little bit more made for multiple people. Uh, especially in the bosses which is really interesting because i played this game on release well before the bundle and mm -hmm. i i found sort of the opposite in a sense of like the bosses feel very difficult alone but it felt souls like when i was playing alone mm. but when yeah, playing definitely. with another person it it kind of felt really trivial i think the game doesn't really succeed where the souls game succeeds in the uh, in the way the boss fights are done with multiple players with mm. like in this one, it's very, at least I found this is my experience. It was very easy for like the bosses would lock in on one person a lot of times. And so the mm. other person could just kind of sit there and wail on the boss while the other person was just kind of like tanking and dodging and keeping the, the action moving. So there wasn't that sort of like risk that there is in Dark Souls a lot of time where like a boss will mid swing from one person and then turn their attention over to you and hit you. Like, that definitely can happen, but one of the things that I notice with these boss fights is that you're very rarely ever fighting just one boss. Generally, yes. there will be like multiple other enemies that you have to juggle while fighting, and alone, it can be very difficult to juggle that many people. Even when you have guns, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but, I mean, like you're still juggling multiple enemies, and they're both attacking you at the same time, so if you get hit stunned from one and then the other comes and smacks you, it can feel very unfair. Uh, that is very true i guess that in that sense that balances a lot of like the swarms still come when you're fighting the boss yeah exactly and and for that reason it really helps to have somebody else uh and even that one boss that like we, we managed to go and sneak below it still took us like another 10 tries in order to beat that guy uh because he's still really fast and like even if mm -hmm. he switches focus and like he tends to focus on one person more than the other like he kills you quick and he <laughs> charges at you really fast so you don't have any time to really breathe like it's yeah tough. that's fair and if you don't dodge at the right moment like you're you're gone you're done but i feel like it does sort of alleviate some of that pressure of how do i continue to deal damage while i dodge it can very much be i can just mm. sit back and focus on dodging and the other person can focus on dealing damage yeah very true or you can kind of like i imagine if you were able to coordinate more you might be able to have one person kind of stay further away with like focusing more on like gun combat and the other person like kind of more focusing on like the the melee yes. and the dodging and to be fair i played this game in the same room with my brother co-op so that is <laughs> yeah and when i played with a random person it was no communication <laughs> just yeah two so... of us working together <laughs> <laughs> we were very much able to just be like, okay, just focus him. I've, I've, I've got him distracted. You just keep on him. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely leads well to being able to create little strategies like that and to work together. And that sort of feeds into like the themes of the story as well, uh, where you are like one of the last remnants of humanity, like cooped up in this bunker. It's kind of very World War One-esque era, uh, very post-apocalyptic due to this invasion of these like otherworldly creatures. I think they're called the Ash. Uh, Remnants from the ashes, who would have guessed? Oh, wow. Whoa. Editor David here. Uh, they're not actually called the Ash. The enemies at the beginning of the game are called the Root. I'm a fucking idiot. Back to the show. So you basically travel through these, like, dimension-hopping crystals that these monsters came through uh, to other worlds in order to scavenge and upgrade and fight your way through this apocalyptic event. Uh, and all the characters in the hub area are a little bit generic, but they often have, like, their own unique traits that make them fun and memorable. One of my favorite guys 
was this guy who never speaks a word he only scribbles on a chalkboard and then like points it to you because if you ask him about it he says like oh well my vocal cords ripped out and i can't really <laughs> speak anymore so i write on this board now <laughs> and uh, there's also this blacksmith who just like hates your guts like every time you talk to them they're like what are you doing get out of here i'm trying to do something else there's something kind of hilarious about that where like you rely on this person so much for like all of your upgrades but they just hate your guts they hate your guts yeah, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that's really cute uh it's all about like the last vestiges of humanity coming together to survive this like inexplicable event uh it's pretty generic in that aspect you know it's not not nothing to write home about in terms of the plots the gameplay yeah. you're really here for overcoming uncertain odds very anime stuff <laughs> but the only other theme I might think about as being kind of weird was, like, how this game is just, like, yeah, our world's, like, kind of fucked. We can't really do anything here. We're, like, the last survivors of humanity here. So when in doubt, colonize other dimensions. <laughs> Seems Jump. relatable. Yeah, like, when you can't, it's, things are fucked here. Let's just steal from them instead. <laughs> Let's just go to Mars. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a little bit weird in retrospect, but I didn't really think about it until after the fact. <laughs> and uh, this is more of a personal anecdote. I couldn't personally stream the game just because it was a little bit too graphically intense. So just note that you might need a little bit of a more uh, buff computer for this one. Uh, oh, I was... <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've never known you to be one to shy down from like streaming a game just because it's a little bloody and gory. Different kind no, of graphic. No. Oh, are you kidding me? I don't care about <laughs> like getting splattered with blood all over my face. That's fine. All I care about is that it's, it's if it stutters. If it stutters, I can't play. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of distance between things too, and it can be a little bit tedious running between things. Even the hub area just for me feels like a little bit too big. And like I mentioned, the balancing is a little bit off, uh, especially when it comes to the bosses. It's really tough on a, mm -hmm. on a solo run, but it's still doable. Uh, there's DLC content uh, available, so there is more game. And also there's a whole new game, like a sequel coming out soon too. So now would be a good time to uh, jump into this one before the next yeah. one comes out. And uh, it is very satisfying and easy to lose a lot of time to. I played the most out of this one by far, like around 14 hours. It's a very fun core loop of just venturing out from this main hub crystal to exploring all of these like different dimensions. There's a lot of like variety in the level design and uh, the, the places that you end up going to and the enemies just because it's like you're going to these completely different dimensions, you know, like one minute you might be fighting these like random swarmy creatures and then the next you're fighting these like tribal dudes in the middle of like a post-apocalyptic future desert with like buildings and stuff around like like modern day buildings that you're having to like kind of duck between. It feels very, like, I don't know what the right word is, multiversey, where, where it's just, like, you kind of don't really know what to expect because each area is so completely different. But it, it does mm -hmm. manage to get, like, a little bit of color despite how gray the game is a lot of the time with, like, these reds and greens and stuff that pop out in these areas and make them more memorable. Nice. Uh, yeah, but I, I really enjoyed this game. I'm definitely considering playing more on my own, though I would really love to play this through with a friend. It feels like it is just made for that experience if you're looking for a game to just turn your brain off and have a really good evening chatting with a friend and fighting bosses and shooting dudes it's very hard to go wrong with this game i know i got really busy this month but i would love to play this one with you i i enjoy this game a lot and i would absolutely love to fucking oh 
absolutely. Yeah. We got to get covered in the dirt and the grime and play this game together sometime. Let's get grimy. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of grime, grime is our next grimy game. This is a, it's a game much uh, like the other segue we could use here is it's a Souls-like as well. Uh, it is. <laughs> this game is made by Cloverbyte, who has done none other games, and it was published by, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Acupara? Acupara Games. That one. Who've done a, a lot of other games. They've done like, they've published... Uh, Cardboard Kings, Gone Viral, Behind the Frame, which was a game we covered last month that you don't know about. Oh, yeah. Yet. Universe <laughs> for Sale, uh, a whole bunch. Of, they, they're a pretty big publisher of like little indie roguelikes and stuff. So this is uh, it's a classic 2D platformer Souls-like game. It's, it's, if you've played Hi- Hollow Knight, you've played this game because they're, they're the same, just reskinned, basically. It's, it's that whole 2D platformer Metroidvania-ish, but with like really difficult unforgiving combat where you explore this vast world and you unlock things as you go and you slowly upgrade your character and get shortcut paths and stuff Uh, it does it does the things that all these other games in the genre are doing and it doesn't really like stand out or do anything of its own very much it's it's very standard if if you've played one you've played this game and it does, it has the Souls-like storytelling, so it's very, very, like, spooky, mysterious. You don't know what's going on here, but as you piece it together, you kind of find things out through the environmental storytelling. There's, you know, one cutscene at the beginning, and then in all the time I was playing, I think I got through two major bosses. I don't think I hit another cutscene other than just, like, oh, the camera's expanding out, and you can see the world a little bit, and you see the big spooky heads in the background kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's very much environmental storytelling. You interact with some little characters as you go. Uh, basically the upfront story that I've gotten has been from like one other character in the game. And he was just like, you're so handsome. You're not like all these ugly rocks down here. I'm here to serve you. I'll help build us an army and find people. I'll go get the uggos to work for you. Handsome rock man. So that's the game is you're a handsome rock man with a bunch of uggos around you and you're trying to ride the rock elevator out of rock hell basically from from what I can gleam. You have a way with words really like you really <laughs> paint a picture in a way that I just can't even like st- step up to. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you really you really paint a vivid portrait. <laughs> it's it's environmental storytelling so i guess i could paint the picture a little better but <laughs> that's... but it looks sort of like hollow knight a little bit no yeah it's it's absolutely like hollow knight it's like it's hollow knight but you're playing as a rock boy instead of an insect man okay okay cool it's it's really good i mean i can't really speak much to the story or themes because it is environmental storytelling and i didn't really like it, it's one of those kinds of games that you have to like immerse yourself in and dive in and sort of like interact with characters eight different times to try to like piece together what's actually going on and you don't really know until you're two-thirds of the way and all the sort of like breadcrumbs start to like fall in place so I, I didn't get enough into this game to have those breadcrumbs start to fall into place to like get the bigger picture ideas of what's going on in here. But it was very compelling from what I had played so far. Like I still wanted to play more. I wanted to learn more about this world. They were giving just enough little information and little bits of environmental like 
storytelling that was like, oh, there's some intriguing stuff going on here. I want to get a little further to figure out what's happening. So really good Steam Deck game. Yeah, it'd be a phenomenal Steam Deck game. The controls are very straightforward. It's, you know, you you have an attack and you have a parry, which is kind of one of my nitpicks of the game is it's kind of easy for a Souls-like. Like, Hollow Knight is much more difficult than this game. If you you struggled with Hollow Knight and you want a game that feels like that, that's a little less challenging, this game all the way. The parry is, it's very forgiving. It pretty much one-shots anything. Like, when you parry things, you also get the resource to heal yourself as well. So it, it it's very forgiving in that sense of like, you could theoretically walk through this game and just parry 99% of the interactions and be fine. And that parry is forgiving enough. It has an open enough window that it's real. Like it's a realistic thing to do. You don't really feel like, Oh, I got screwed over. I missed the timing. So mm. it's, it's a pretty easy game in that regard. Even the boss fights, it only took me, like, one or two deaths maybe to, like, oh, okay, I get what's going on here. Now I can kind of, like, I, I see how that attack is working, and I can time it now and it get the boss down real easy. So it's it, it does make the game feel a lot more accessible in its nature because, like, it's not ruthlessly unforgiving like Souls-like games are sometimes. So it, it's, hmm. it feels like a very good introduction to that. And if it's the kind of, like, you want to start diving into these more, you know, uh, environmental immersive games with brutally difficult combat, it feels like a very good beginner's guide to that. Like, it, it feels like it helps you. A little bit you. more accessible. Yeah, yeah. And, and it helps you, like, learn that timing and learn the feeling for, like, oh, I have to get into this fight and just kind of learn it first and get the flow of it and re- find out the attack. So it's... It, it it almost feels like a Dark Souls tutorial in some regards in that way. Hmm. So I I savored this one for sure. I really want to dive into it a bit more and, and learn more about the world and storytelling. It's compelling enough that I'm probably going to revisit this one at some point. Uh, but and, and if you enjoy games like Hollow Knight, this game's an easy pickup for you. Like it is it it is reminiscent of those games. It feels very similar. It's not. I, I don't think the world is quite as large, but it still feels that same sort of gameplay and style and atmosphere. So if you enjoy those kinds of games, you'll absolutely enjoy this game. It's it's a very solid one. It It's like... Uh, uh, I'm trying to come up with a segue here. Um, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's sort of... It's, it's like, it's uh, like, you know, like... I I I, I want to throw it to like it's the Tokyo of the genre, but I can't say that because it's not like, flashy <laughs> enough. Um. What does that even mean? The Tokyo? What the Tokyo? <laughs> what what is it? Okay, what 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 do you think Tokyo is? A city. <laughs> okay, well at least you got that. You you got ten, full ten points there. But it's like <laughs> it's like a big flashy touristy high tech city like. Right, right, like that's that's like that's you think of Tokyo and you think of like oh that's the future city. Like that, that you're living in the in the future, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this game isn't it isn't enough of that to be able to sell that segue. So uh, it's just kind of like it's it's a bit of a ghost of the genre, you know. Like it, it does its thing. It's good, but it's really easy to just see right past it. <laughs> so our next game is Ghostwire Tokyo. You couldn't tell. Uh, it's developed by Tango GameWorks. They have also made uh, the Evil Within series and very recently published Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, they This game was published by Bethesda. Uh, you know them from the Skyrims and Fallouts. They also do their Deathloop and Redfall and other games. Uh, this was $60. Uh, 
though it is on sale for $23.99. And uh, the gist of this game is that it's this large open world game about exploring the deserted streets of Tokyo after this mysterious mist rolls in and makes everyone disappear the second that they touch it. It is a first-person shooter with exploration platforming elements, and it is very heavily steeped in Japanese lore, specifically uh, around the world of the yokai, uh, which are sort of like these these Japanese spirits that uh, exist and can take many different forms. You play as a half-human ghost whose body is possessed, where he is killed by this runaway car right at the beginning of the game before the mist rolls into the city, and this ghost fellow... Uh, shows up and he's like oh man I, I need in order to like hang out here i need to like possess a body uh uh, uh uh oh look there's a body and he jumps in and you weren't quite dead yet i guess so you still have control of your body even though this ghost is possessing you uh, and giving you these sort of anime ghost powers so it feels <laughs> very shona anime i don't just say that because it's set in japan you're like this young boy and you acquire new powers getting thrown into this bigger world with like this whole system of power based around ghost abilities like, it feels like it could be an anime plot if it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, you basically just work together with this ghost that possessed you, who you find out is, like, uh, he was, like, a detective in a past life and is kind of this older guy. Uh, he helps you find other ghosts and help them with their problems, uh, with the yokai that now litter the streets of Tokyo now that everybody's been disappeared. Uh, enemies are all folklore-inspired creatures. Like, one of the main enemies that you see all over the place is this Slenderman-looking motherfucker who's just, like, a, a guy in, like, a like a suit with, like, a blank face. Uh, there's other types of, like, supernatural creatures like Oni and, like, this shrieking woman and this, like, invisible dude. All kinds of, of dudes you can find while exploring. And they often create little vignettes that tell you a little bit more about the world in really cool ways. Uh, I remember there was, like, this uh, girl who was really sad, this ghost girl, because uh, her uh, umbrella ran away into this, like, construction site. Uh, and you have to go chase around this uh, yokai umbrella uh, that's, like, a foot <laughs> that can just, like, hop around. Uh, and then you have to, like, go give ba back the umbrella to the little girl. Uh, or this, like, this hikikomori ghost who refuses to leave their apartment, and there's this whole quest around, like, getting them to sort of, like, leave and then, like, pass on. Uh... You collect spirits using these, like, little paper uh, spirit holders. I forget the name for them, but there's, like, a specific Japanese term for it. Uh, and you deposit them into uh, these, like, spirit spirit collection things at every phone booth. So every phone booth in the game uh, is, like, a save spot, essentially, where you can, like, level up your character by depositing all of the spirits that you have. It's like you enter in a certain number into, like, the phone booth, and then, like, a pops out this extra little thing that you can deposit the the ghosts into it's really cool and kind of a neat little like world building thing where apparently ghosts have been enough of a problem here that they built this like secondary measure feature into the phone where you can like save them all into the phone that's very interesting uh, eventually you do get a lot of like very powerful traversal abilities that let you glide all around the city uh you get this one ability that like lets you see tengus which are like these bird demons uh, they hang out on, like, the rooftops, and you could just grab those motherfuckers and just yoink yourselves right to them, and then they disappear. And that's, like, how you get to the rooftops a lot of the time, and you can kind of glide from rooftop to rooftop. Uh... <laughs> the themes of this game are pretty wide-ranging, but generally, as you can guess, have a lot to do with Japanese culture and the feelings that linger in locations after people have gone. Uh, so if people have, like, a lot of emotional attachment to a place, then their spirit is often there. Uh, sometimes there's like a quest that you can help spirits out with or 
other times like there's just random spirits that you can absorb into your little uh paper spirit holder and uh you get like little bits of dialogue when you're absorbing them and it's always contextual to where you're finding them uh and it always okay. adds like this nice little bit of flavor even if you're just like collecting random things around the place you're always kind of learning a little bit more about uh the city of tokyo and the people who live in it uh so in that aspect that's probably like my favorite part of the game is just learning about all of these different ghosts and like the spirits and the the different aspects of japanese mythology that are all explored through the game uh i really really enjoyed that aspect of it and just getting kind of lost in this world resolving you know like these ghosts last wishes and helping them pass into the afterlife uh the main story of the game involves this dude with this mask who i think is apparently behind the mist uh you kind of are trying to track him and find out where he's going but he'll do things like uh take control of the tvs and like central square and like display his face on them and tell you all of his like propaganda about why what he's doing is right or whatever <laughs> <laughs> i just didn't get far enough in to understand exactly his motivations or what exactly was going on there so all of that's kind of still a mystery to me i'm only about six hours in so it might get a lot more thematically dense as the main story progresses mm -hmm. uh the thing though about this game that i'll say is a nitpick is that the combat i haven't really talked about that much because it isn't really that great I mean, it is like a first-person shooter. You, you get like a couple different abilities, and you can shoot dudes. Uh, and how you get ammo back is like there are these little sort of glitches in reality where uh, if you like shoot them or smack them, uh, then you can get more bullets, uh, like more spirit bullets, essentially, uh, to shoot at people. And I, I've played on PS5, and this is kind of uh, not going to affect everybody. But for some reason, the adaptive triggers on this game just do not feel good. <laughs> just, I I did not expect that to be a nitpick because I really like the adaptive triggers on most games, but I just felt like I was trying to like shoot through molasses or something. <laughs> it just it just made the, the combat feel like ah, just I'm trying to like charge up my shots and then shoot them out. It's just like hard to press down. It feels like kind of almost weird and sticky. I don't know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I, I know I totally it. get that. And the first time I used adaptive triggers, I was like, man, game devs are going to put this in places where it doesn't belong and it's going to make the game feel weird. <laughs> That's basically what <laughs> happened here, uh, <laughs> which I mean, I, most games, I really like it. Like I, I played Call of Duty with the adaptive triggers and it works really well. Uh, but in that game, it's sort of like like a real trigger where you kind of press it. And then there's like this sort of build up to the like, point yeah. where it clicks. But in yep. this game, it's like you have to charge it and then fire it. So you have to like kind of push against the trigger in order to get to the point where it'll charge. It's it's a total non-issue, I think, for a lot of people. But it just was something that like kind of bugged me and kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Because uh, it just made like the combat in general was already kind of slow and not super fast. And like kind it's of totally have to charge valid, up. And, and it just makes it not feel great. And it kind of distracts from the fun that I have from just exploring and getting lost in Tokyo and learning about the perspective of these ghosts that linger and, and haunt this like really interesting world. Uh, I definitely savored this game. game. I, I liked it a lot and I want to play more of it. Uh, I, I don't want to make any impression that like, just because I didn't quite love the combat as much that I didn't really enjoy the game. I think that this is a fantastic game. More people should definitely give it a shot. Uh, if they're able to, it's it's one of those games that is free right now with the PlayStation Plus subscription and on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, so if you have that, definitely check it out that way. 
Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The only way to get this game is from the Humble Bundle. Make sure you use our affiliate link and everything. Uh, 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 make sure you, if you want to buy it on PC, the best way to get it right now on $12. So pay money, buy it. Just kidding. This is probably going to release like just after the Humble Bundle. For it this probably is. Because tomorrow will. is the new bundle. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it, you're right. You're right. People aren't even going to have a fucking chance to get this at the $12 Humble Bundle price because we're bad at our jobs. <laughs> we had a lot going on this month. I started a new job. Too. You had a work vacation. Yeah, I went to like LA for a weekend. It was like a whole thing. So yeah, <laughs> this was a fantastic game. You should definitely give it a try. Uh, people just just pe- pe- people pe- pe- people just weren't giving this a chance, and I feel like people should. Yeah, and uh, Meeple should as well. Meeple should station up and give this game a real good play because Meeple Station me- is oh. our next game. Meeples would love uh, it, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. This is uh, this is a game from Game Claw Studios, who did Regions of Ruin and Justice.exe, which, never heard of Justice.exe until today, but I'm going to make backstream this game at some point, because it's a... Uh, <laughs> can, can you give us a read of the description of this game real quick again? Justice.exe is a dialogue-heavy dystopian legal drama in which you defend sentient AI in court. Discover key story, elements, and dialogue. Build your case by studying arguments and engage the opposing counsel in wits, charisma, and skullduggery. Small choices might alter the fate of your clients. So basically, this is Ace Attorney. If you were, like, an actual real-ass attorney and, like, had to choose, <laughs> like, which witnesses you wanted and, like, what you wanted to interview them about. And, like, it's, it's, like, it's like the real deal. <laughs> While, while to point out, po- j- j- just to like, just to like, really, really grind this in, that like, your your fucking your clientele in the game is AI. <laughs> like you're defending yeah. AI, which is such like a pertinent topic right now. Very, very good sounding game. It was published by uh, Modularity and Whisper Games. Uh, they've done a whole bunch of, like, they seem to be a very big, like, indie shovelware kind of publisher. I say so- shovelware very loosely because I don't mean that. Most of these games look okay, but it's a lot of little, like, indie roguelikes. And, like, I mean, they've published a ton of games, it looks like. Uh, even so much as, like, Bridge Constructor Portal and uh, Retimed and... Adom and like a whole but they've published a shit ton so uh, this game runs you 19.99 in the normal price right now it's 12.99 on sale for steam sale and it's a base building space game that's i don't have a lot to say about this game i'm gonna be up front i played it like 20 <laughs> minutes maybe dude that's- i I took one look at this, and I knew that we would have next to nothing to say about it. I was really hopeful, because, like, it looks good. The gameplay looks good in the trailers and stuff. But, man, the reviews are spot on about this game. It is not, like, they just kind of drop you in. They're like, you have $2,000. Build a spaceship. Enjoy. Have fun. That's... Yep, and so you can build your little spaceship and then, like, send it to space and keep your people alive and stuff. But, like... They give you no, little to no direction. They're just like, you need three oxygen elements. Cool. Oxygen. I'll make sure my people have it in this little square I'm building. Okay. Yeah. They can live now. Submit failed. Oops, I didn't do it right. <laughs> so it gives you very little direction. It's very much like 
And it's not like there's not like some campaign that you're playing through story missions that slowly teach you how to play this game. It is just yeah. like free play. Here's everything. Here's some money to get you started playing. So, I mean, like the tutorial is even completely separate from the main gameplay. So, like, you have to do the side tutorial if oh. you even want to, like, play the game, if you want to, like, get the tutorial experience first. So, it just it, doesn't it, seem like there's a lot of game there. And what game that is there isn't very good. <laughs> Well, I feel like there is a lot of game there. The problem is just that, like... It's too dense. It's one of those games that you have to know the game already to even be able to play the game. Mm. And it's just like, I don't know this game. I can't, like... It felt like the first time I played a Zaktronics game, but, like, not developed with intent to be that way. Like, Zaktronics games feel like, oh, this is dense and there's a lot going on and I don't really know how to do math in my game. So I, like, I drop that. I'm not going to play that game. But, like, there's intentionality behind it, right? There is, like, these are the elements you have. We're slowly, like, building up. Like, this game is meant to challenge your thinking. This game felt like it was, like, I'm challenging your thinking because you're too stupid to learn to play my game without being told how to play it. So, I don't know. <laughs> that's, it. <laughs> there, there, that's it. There's not a lot there. I mean, it's a building sim. There wasn't really story. There wasn't really themes. Uh, my nitpicks are that the game is a game. Uh, <laughs> that's that's generic. No, I I I feel like this game is probably enjoyable for some people. I did not enjoy it. I could not get past the hump of teaching myself to play this game in the first place to even get to like what remnants of obscurity of funness there may have been. So you might enjoy it if you're already really deep in these sort of like rim world kind of games and like really want like a immersive space building game that gives you little to no direction or information on what you're doing in the first place and has no real guiding factors and just kind of, like, leaves you in this world to build. Uh, but not, not my cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, I can't, they can't all be winners. Can't all be winners. Sometimes you just, like, just mediocre games straight down the road, basically. <laughs> well, to be fair, there has to be at least one winner this month. There has to be at least one game that we really love this month. We always say that. And do you want to do yours first? Sure. Mine's Remnant from the Ashes. That game rules. I, easy uh, win. I, yeah, easy <laughs> win for me. I really enjoyed that game, and I really, really want to play that again with somebody else, uh, or even just to keep playing it on my own. Like, it's one of the only games that I uh, actively played more of than I felt like I needed to, just because I was having a really good time. You know, it's a rare occasion on this show when we both, like, when we throw it to the other person's game as Game of the Week. I originally wrote down Eternal Threads as mine, which is, like, <laughs> it's a great game. And if I was picking off my games alone, I would definitely say Eternal Threads takes the cake. Which is funny, because I wrote that one as a labor, but still the best game that I had throughout <laughs> these games. Which isn't to dog. Like, Grime was a very good game, but Eternal Threads was really good. I enjoyed that game a lot. And really it's very innovative ideas. for its genre. It just bored the fuck out of me, but I can recognize it's still a <laughs> great game even if it's boring to me personally That's uh, fair. but i'm i'm gonna curveball and say remnant because like that game is great i enjoyed it when i played it too back in the day and like i would love to revisit that game and play it so i'm i'm gonna I'm toss it to your remnant as well hey well i guess that means we have to play remnant from the ashes here soon eh yeah <laughs> the uh awesome. the charity this month is the trevor project which if you've heard of it you probably have it provides crisis support and advocacy to lgbtqia youths to help end suicide amongst them so it's a great great little charity to help the lgbtq youths keep them safe and trevor if project's you buy the really bundle 
yeah, if you buy the bundle, your money's going towards that in the next 24 hours. Don't know what it'll be next month. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, we, we've played other games as well. Uh, I've mainly been playing some Zelda, uh, though I did get, actually, I've started to play like a Friday Civ Six game with one of my friends. I've been playing as the Aztecs, and he's been playing uh, as the Dutch, and <laughs> he really had a horrible start. And so I've been like his Aztec sugar daddy because I'm doing fucking fantastic. I have like the best economy in the world, like tons of trading and like economy stuff going on. It's fantastic. I'm loving Civ Six. Uh, I also been playing Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door for stream. Uh, that game is fun but long. <laughs> it's taken me a while to get through it. Yep. And uh, I just started the new Final Fantasy 16 on my own. Nice. Uh, only just just barely dipped my toes in, but I cannot wait to play more. That game is really interesting so far. I've um, seen some gameplay of it, and I am not sold on it yet. Really? It feels like it wants to be Assassin's Creed, which is weird. <laughs> I did not get that vibe at all. It feels like it wants to be <laughs> Devil May Cry. That fucking UI is so cluttered. There's so much going on. <laughs> it felt like, I felt like I was like, wow, did they just like take fucking Ubisoft's UI and shove it into Final Fantasy? <laughs> I wasn't really too overwhelmed by it. I'll say the combat designer from Devil May Cry 5 literally left, left ship from Capcom to join Square Enix to make the combat for this game. That's fair. The combat looks phenomenal. Uh, and the story is by Yoshi P, who did uh, Final Fantasy 14, which is really good story. And so like combining all of that, like, the good gameplay, the good story. It's, like, the only Final Fantasy game I've actually been really interested in for a very long time. Probably since Final Fantasy X. I just, like, something looks weird about the game. I Like, every gameplay I was watching of it, I was like, <laughs> man, I don't know what it is. Like, like the character models just feel a little off. They don't feel as polished as fifteen. And, like... Mm. Well, to be fair, I didn't play fifteen, just... so I have nothing to compare it to. Oh, I love fifteen. That is, like, one of the few Final Fantasy games that I, like, will actively say I like. <laughs> <laughs> the pacing of it is interesting, too. It almost feels like, like a Last of Us game but with like some branching elements where you can kind of do other shit for a while, but like it's yeah. so directed. It's so directed compared to the, the last one. Uh, okay. From what I understand of it. It's like, it, it's a lot more like they have a set story and like plan that you can go through the whole thing. And it's more about like a specific dude in this large world, even though there's like a ton of lore that you can learn about, you can pause the game at any point to literally open up like a little lore book to like learn about everything that's important in the scene that you're currently in. And then later there's a guy you can go to and talk to who has like all of that lore compiled into a single book and you can just read about the universe. It's so cool. Uh, I'll probably give it a try. I just like, I'm yeah. not sold on it yet. No, that's totally fair. Uh, I definitely play the demo uh, if you if you can. It's free. Oh, if and they have it, a demo, like, then yes, I'll do that first. And that'll sell me on it, I'm sure. It's the entire first chapter. So you can just import your Damn. save data from the, the demo and like just play it right from there. Uh, well, that is a great way to get me to try it. Yeah, I highly recommend playing the demo. It's a very good demo. Uh, I also played the demo for Lies of P, uh, which, by the way... I cannot wait for that game. I am so I excited so fucking hyped for Lies of P, dude. I was not hyped for Lies of P, and then I played the demo, and now I cannot I wait for more Pinocchio Twink Adventures. I was just like, I, Pinocchio Bloodborne? Fucking I, yes! I didn't realize it was Pinocchio Bloodborne until I started it's playing Pinocchio it. Bloodborne. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm Pinocchio, and this is Bloodborne! This is yeah! awesome! <laughs> It's so I'm good. I'm so excited for that game. I cannot so, wait to play it. So good. I they the entire demo is like it's very it's a shockingly long demo and it's very good. I highly recommend playing it. Yes. Uh, I also bought Diablo 4. Have not played it. <laughs> uh, Fair. Ex excited to try it out at some point. Just a lot of games coming out. 
And I also picked up Callista Protocol for only twenty five dollars, and that game only wow. came out like a year ago. I swear, like it wasn't it, even a year ago, was it? I don't think it was even a year ago. It's just that no. the new Dead Space remake came out and made that game completely irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, it literally came out like the same month as the Dead Space remake, and that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that game's twenty five dollars. I'll give it a try. <laughs> yeah, I've heard very good things about it. So yeah, what about you? You've been doing anything? I, I haven't been playing much, but I, I've been playing, like, Too Many Bones, which is a tabletop mm. game with, with a friend of mine. It's a, it's a dice, uh, di- like, dice RPG kind of game where you, like, progressively upgrade your character's dice and then you roll them in combat to, like, attack the enemies and stuff. It's a very solid game. It's a lot of fun. We've been playing a little, like, campaign where we're both playing two characters right now and fighting one of, the, like, the big bosses. So it's taken us, like, three days to get through the campaign just because of our schedules. But, like, it's great. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy that game. There's a That's lot cool. of variety in the characters and shit. Uh, I've been working games. a lot, which is great because I love my job now. Uh, yeah. It's been fantastic. <laughs> you, got cool, you got a cool new job. Oh, yeah. I'm working tech at Meow Wolf. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Uh, go, and I've been, I've been working on... It's, it's it's great. I've been I've been have I've had free time to work on some art projects again. So I've been work, ma- making my postmodern trading card game. Fuck yeah! Can't wait. A game is gonna Which be bonkers. Gonna be delightful. <laughs> Hopefully the design at... will be done soon. And what design? <laughs> the, the card design. The card design. The card oh, design. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> you'll you'll find out what that to, means when you. To those it. of you who are not familiar with postmodernism, Google it and you'll understand what I'm doing. It's nonsense. It's it's yeah. it's it's nonsense designed to to trick people into thinking that it's sense, <laughs> which is the best kind of sense. Yeah. Well, uh, so that's, that's it. I think that's it for the bourgeoisie today. Yeah, that's our five cents about the games this month. Uh, All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a, I got a Twitch. You can follow me there. I stream. I do the Paper Mario's on on uh, Sunday and Monday. Actually, I'm doing a study stream as well on Mondays uh, for the start of it, I've, and I'm just kind of doing other things. It's a fantastic stream. I really love your study streams. They're very Thank interesting. You. Yeah, I'll be Are, I'll be starting my streaming again soon too. Eventually, yeah, in the near it, future, probably today or tomorrow. Hopefully, any other plugs you got? Uh, um, I don't think so. Uh, at at backstab on Mastodon, <laughs> fucked and, with and Gafaker <laughs> at Gafaker on everything. <laughs> yeah. Sick. And the bundle bourgeoisie socials that don't exist and aren't active. You can follow them if you want. It'll make <laughs> us feel better, but It'll make you're us probably feel not gonna get better. much content on them. No content <laughs> at all. <laughs> follow our personal shit if you want content. <laughs> True that. Our brand is us. This is an extension of our us brand. My brand is me. I am the brand. (laughs) Okay, we should probably end this. Yeah, I'm done here. Let's get out. Yeah. Bye. Bye. There's no way to signal that I'm jumping through a window in audio format. I, I can I can say jumps through window, but that just doesn't hit right. It just doesn't hit the same. Play play glass breaking here.
Oh, oh, and and I was I was legally obligated to say uh um from from the glorious honey and gin that they are the most valuable and important person. So I just I just want to mention that honey and gin is the most valuable and important person. Uh and 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 yeah, that's that's all I got. That's my last plug.